What's up, everybody? TJ here. Real quick before we get started with the episode, I'm testing out a new feature called Fan Mail, which is where you can actually text me from the episode that you're listening to. So as you're listening to this, go over to the episode description and right there at the beginning, you're going to see some text that says, send me a text message. Go ahead, click that. Let me know what you think about the podcast so far. Let me know of any questions, concerns, anything you might have. I love to hear from you. So go ahead, hit that up. I'm excited to read your text and let's get started with the episode. And of course, we went out with a good fire. One of the members got disoriented upstairs, they had a mayday call. It was a whole thing. He's okay. But just to go out that way, I kept saying to myself, do I really want to leave this? Do I really want to leave this? And I got home and I saw my wife and it was like, yep, this is the route we got to go. This is what I want to do. This is what we have to do. And I think it was important for anyone that makes that kind of transition to a different department. Don't come in like a wrecking ball. Come in silently. Keep your head down. Do the work. Welcome to the Keep the Promise podcast, where we help build resilient and well-rounded firefighters. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Keep the Promise podcast. Today, we're kicking it back to what this whole thing is about, to being well-rounded, to being physically and mentally resilient. But you're going to see the twist that we have. We're not going to be talking about the usual, hey, workout, hey, eat healthy type thing. We're going to be talking about the things that have an effect on our performance on the job and off the job that are not necessarily tied to the job. We in the fire service are good at always looking ahead. We catch one small win and then we build upon that to go to more. It could be the department that you're hired onto. It could be the class that you take, the promotion that that you get. And sometimes always looking ahead and always trying to climb towards more makes us miss the opportunities that are sitting beside us. And it kind of blinds us to the things that we might be neglecting. And that's a topic that that we're going to talk about with our guest today. I have the honor of having Nick Lindsay, who has had an interesting run of the fire service. And in his own words, we're, we're going to hear the story about the highs, the lows, the the things that he's done, and how through it all that the goal has been to to just be a good firefighter, but also be a good human being all around. Without further ado, Nick, welcome to Keep the Promise. My brother, thank you for having me on. How are you doing today? Very well. How are yourself? I mean, we already chatted about it earlier. We um, had a relatively uneventful shift yesterday, both of us, which should be good for today because we're going to be nice and fresh and not all cracked out. Absolutely. I was able to come home energized for the kiddo, so it's always a good thing to uh, to experience in the morning. That's right. You have one, right? And one on the way? One, on, yeah, one here, one on the way. Oh boy, are you going to be outnumbered? Is it gonna, well, who's going to be outnumbered? You or your wife? No, it's that we got well, equal split, one on one. Oh man, that's good. We'll have a boy and a girl. Trench warfare, absolutely. Uh, full blown attrition. I got my helmet. Let's go. <laughs> well, listen, tell us a little bit about you, about your career in the fire service, how it started, why it started, because I think you have a connection to one of our previous guests. So we'll we'll dig into that. Ooh, yes. Uh, so I started back in 2008 as a volunteer in my small hometown, which is uh, a place that no one's ever heard of. Probably it's Sellersville, Pennsylvania, which ironically, that other guest is also connected there through his own chef work. Uh, but that was a small Bucks County volunteer fire company, 300 calls a year, like really typical community Pennsylvania town that you're going to come in contact with. Uh, and I was there until about 2014 when I made the uh, the dream come true and I got hired by the city of Harrisburg. And I was out there for six years from uh, 2014 to 2020. And then as my family started to think about growing, I had an opportunity to make the move back to the east side of the state where we are now in, uh, in Upper Darby. And uh, I took that chance at, in 2020 and, and got hired there. So through all that, there's been a couple of lessons. I've been fortunate enough to run into a, a fantastic group of people in my time uh, in the fire service. I also teach on the side with uh, Eckerd Fire Tactics. So being an instructor there and being able to experience some of those guys is really something that's uh, been really fortunate for myself. Man, I, I, I didn't even know about the the Eckerd part. You just, you keep surprising me at every turn. I you know, I try to keep things fresh for you. Yeah, absolutely. You got to keep me on my toast. Of course. What pushed you to become a firefighter? Like what? My what? dad, absolutely. Okay. Dude. And that's like that typical story, right? Mm-hmm. So we lived 
a block from that firehouse and I would run down to the end of our street all the time just to see the the trucks go by. And that absolutely hooked me from from day one. And I think I was like six or seven years old when I finally came to uh, the the notion of what we, what my dad was doing, what his friends were doing, and just seeing that camaraderie that they had there. And then I learned you get paid for it. You can make a career out of it. And that blew my mind. That's all I ever wanted to chase then. That was it. This is what I want to do. It's always so interesting when 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 you get that realization of like, hold up, I can actually make this dream a reality and live it the rest of my life. It's I think that's like that's part of the evolution when when you realize then you're like, ooh, I gotta get serious about doing this sort of stuff. Yeah. And just we had a couple individuals and members from that department go on to other departments too. So seeing that it was possible, not that I didn't think it was possible, but you know, when you're in a 5,000 person town community, like getting outside of that, you know, it, it's, a, it's a big world and sometimes it can be overwhelming, but having guidance from them and from other members, be like, no, do this, do that. Uh, look at this place and really ha- make those connections to allow you to, to grow and to step outside your comfort zone to go take those tests and do those interviews, you know, really opens up the world for you, especially in the fire service, I think. How long from the moment that you decided to go for it until you actually got hired? Did, did you have the typical experience of, hey, I had to apply eight, nine, ten times? Or was it, were you one of those like almost one hit wonders that applied once, got hired immediately and off you go? No, I was absolutely not a, uh, a one hit wonder. We, I started testing when I was 18 and I got hired when I was 24. So that was six years. And then I tested all across the Eastern Seaboard. Uh, all the way down to, I think, Chapel Hill, North Carolina was my lowest, was my, my most southern point, and then everything in between. And I think maturity was a big factor from the beginning, just because I wasn't necessarily prepared for the interview portion. I think it's a common misconception that people think that the people that sit on an interview panel always want to hear about these war stories, when truthfully, there's not typically a fire department representative on that panel sometimes. I know the ones that I've sat in before, I'm not going to tell the finance lady about some fire that I went to. And it's really important to be able to bring some of that life experience to the table. And once I understood that is when I really started to make strides and get closer to getting hired. But it wasn't until 2014 when when Harrisburg finally gave me that offer. Dude, so there's two things that that you mentioned that I want to cover is you talk about that that maturity. I I'm going to have to disagree with you a bit because chugging along for six years without seeing any sort of progress, that is testament to maturity and, and to wanting the job. Like First and foremost, um, well, before, before we dive into the next one, into the whole interview thing, how did you keep motivated? Was it motivation or was it just that like single track focus of, I want to do this. I will get to do it. I don't care what it takes. I will move mountains. What was it? Yeah, it was absolutely that pitbull mentality. Pitbull toy in the mouth. It's mine. I'm going to go get it regardless of what it takes. Um, and it was the weirdest thing because I thought at 24, I was old. And if I didn't get it by a certain point, that it wasn't going to be worth it. Right. And now sitting here at 33, I'm like, boy, that was not the right mindset at all. I had plenty <laughs> of time. You know, like it's, you know, your life's not over after 25. There's a lot going on still. You right. still get hired. Yeah, I think I think we all go through that. It's like, oh my God, like late 20s, that's going to be off. Shit, I went through the academy with a guy who I think turned 40 or 41 while we were going through the academy. And he's still chugging along, doing good work all day, every day. The other thing that I want to go back to that you mentioned the maturity when it comes to the interviews, and it's something that you hit on that bears repeating for all the listeners is that ability to bring that life experience outside of the fire department. Because somebody with volunteer experience is so common for these folks who are sitting in the interview. And you and I have, have you ever, you've interviewed people, right? Have you helped interview them Uh, or no? No, I have not. So my department, they would sometimes open it up to uniform personnel to go and basically, hey, we'll teach you how to ask the questions. Here's what you can ask. Here's what you can't. And go through the script, do all these things. The ones that always stick out are the ones with relevant life experience outside of the fire service. People are like, oh, I can throw a ladder this quickly. I can mask up, you know, in 0.0 seconds flat. 
I think people said that. I don't remember, but I remember the one dude who said that he was managing some fast food joint or something. I forget what it was, but through a technical issue and it was one of those things that like it ran into or it ran afoul of policy accidentally ended up getting one of his lower paid employees fired like technically the violated policy he should have seen it coming he could have put an end to it but corporate came in and just like decapitated this person the part that stuck out to me is that this this guy went out of his way to change the policy to send it up to corporate and to find that person and give them their job back. Be like, hey, we fucked up. Here is like, here's your chance again. Like, we we are so sorry. And these are the things that we implemented to, to make sure it doesn't happen again. Like, that's the stuff that sticks in my mind. It's being able to bring that relevant life experience that speaks about who you are as a person. Yeah, it's just understanding your story and how you can sell that in relation to the fire service. Because, you know, Gene from HR doesn't care what you do with your mask or your hose line. Because when you start talking about that, their eyes are going to just glaze over because they have no idea what you're talking about. Right. However, implementing a policy from your own mistake and then correcting that mistake, that's absolutely public service to the T. 100%. And like you said, it, it that tells you story better than any worse story that that you can cover. So let's talk about your story now. You started in a big department. Tell me about Harrisburg. Yeah. So, I mean, Harrisburg, I think, has obviously gotten its name out there fantastically since uh, social media really took off mm-hmm. the Art of Firemanship days, the expo that's out there. And it's been a city that's been through a lot since the 50s, through the war years. Um, the city consistently burning for a, a very long time. And being able to hop into that fire department with some of those members who were absolutely just top notch, just good people and good firemen. I don't think there was a better place. And that's really where I, I think I cut my teeth, truthfully. Like I was a volunteer, you know, had some experience coming into it, but not in that urban setting where you have multiple houses with neighborhoods stumping out onto the street, yelling at you to put the fire out. That wasn't the town that I grew up in. And it wasn't until my eyes were open to, to that in the city when I really understood what, what this job was about and what sometimes it was what was needed to, to accomplish the task. Do you learn how to cook while you were in Harrisburg? Uh, so I was absolutely horrible at cooking. And to this day, I think if you ask a, well, a now lieutenant and my old battalion chief, they could tell you all about the porridge that I made them the one night. Porridge? Which, well, no, it was supposed to be rice. And <laughs> I kid you not that one of the members that was there on overtime for a while, I think he turned the bowl upside down. It was like, I don't care if this doesn't come out. I haven't eaten all day. I'm hungry. And he turned it upside down and the spoon stuck in it. It did not come out of the bowl. So learning that skill, do that before you step foot in the firehouse. And you don't need to go crazy. Meat, meatloaf goes a long way. Spaghetti goes a long way. Not spaghetti. That's a cop-out, bro. <laughs> uh, later on, I think later on in your career, it's not a cop-out if you do it right and you add some sausage into it. My some favorite is when somebody dumps two boxes and it's like, well, I guess we're feeding us and... The remaining three battalions, if they want to come to dinner, it's like us yeah. and our closest hundred friends because we made spaghetti for the whole world. Yeah, brother. Who else is coming here, man? It's like three pounds. Like <laughs> We always have that fight every single time we go to the store. It's like, do we have enough? Do we have, like, did we buy too much? Like, I will always come out with a 20-pound bag of rice. And my captain's like, bro, we have 80 pounds of rice back at the firehouse. We're set, bro. We are set. Yes. Yeah, that's definitely, again, another life skill that I think should be certainly attacked very early on because everybody eats. It's good to have a good meal. It is. Does Brian cover that in his book? Yeah, he does. You bought He's it, right? Bed. Absolutely. He, could, he taught me how to cook a steak right. That's how long it was until I figured out how to cook a steak right. Oh, that's I, where I was. We are talking about Brian Yonkin, who is from Harrisburg. He was a guest of this podcast in episode number 15 from cook to lieutenant. That's so interesting. You mentioned him the other day when we were talking about other stuff and um, just made me realize how small this world is. All right. So Very small. Harrisburg fire duty, kitchen duty, cut your teeth with some, with some legends. And then you started making the move to a smaller department yeah, home life was, uh, was that was we weren't having an issue at home, my wife and I, but we knew that when we wanted to start growing our family, that having 
the grandparents was a thing to be to be close by. That was something we kind of wanted to to accomplish because we knew the importance of having that community together and just having somebody else to lean on. Right. Not that we wouldn't have people out there to lean on, but there is nothing else like a grandparent, I think, in my opinion, because my my grandmother just about raised me every summer until I was 13, uh, just because my parents were working and there was no one at home. So she really put a big emphasis on raising me and that I think turned out for for the better for me just because of what she went through because um, it's trendy now. She uh, fled the Ukraine in 1941 with her mother. Oh, wow. Yeah. So she was, she's an old school lady, chased around the house with a spoon. So that influence was, was need to need to come by. So we wanted that for, for us. And I didn't necessarily, obviously I didn't want to leave. Um, Harrisburg was a dream that I didn't know that was a dream for me, if that makes sense. And once I got there and understood and met, you know, experienced vibes with the guys, I mean, there was a lot that happened in six years and it really ties you to a place. However, knowing that I was going to be a father one day and I wanted this for my family, it was important to to start looking closer to home. And Upper Darby came into the picture. It was close by to where my parents were, so I knew kind of what to expect as far as, you know, fire duty and stuff like that. But they also had this nice option of being able to lateral right over. I didn't have to go to another academy. I already had an IFF endorsed academy and they accepted that as their own academy. So you could walk right on. Otherwise you would get sent to Philadelphia for I think nine months is what their academy is now. So that was a huge factor for me to be able to walk right on, get closer to home, better money, unfortunately. Um, well, I guess it is fortunate, but that's just how the world runs right now. You know, yeah. um, it's definitely a factor, especially when you're raising a family. So I took the test and I walked out. I told Amy, I was like, I don't think, uh, I don't think I did that well. She's like, well, we'll just wait and see. And then sure, you know, a couple months later it comes out and I hit the top of the list. So it happened real quick from, I think it was October. I tested and March I was walking out for, for the last time. Damn dude, that must've been hard. It was super challenging because I think my last shift was March 16th in the city. Or I'm sorry, March 12th was the last time I worked in the city. And of course, we went out with a uh, a good fire. Um, one of the members kind of got disoriented upstairs. They had a mayday call. It was a whole thing. He's okay. But just to go out that way, I kept saying to myself, do I really want to leave this? Do I really want to leave this? And I got home. And I saw my wife and it was like, yep, this is, this is the route we got to go. Like, this is what I want to do. This is what we have to do. And March 21st, I think was my first shift. And we all know what happened March 21st, 2020, everything locked down. So it went from a situation of a cohesive firehouse where I was having meals with everybody. We were doing the typical firehouse, breaking stones, having a good time to a new place completely isolated not nobody really talked we were separated throughout the firehouse and as a new member that was very challenging dude out of the frying pan into the fire in that regard like absolutely being new is hard enough and now being new with these extra rules if you will well, you just lose all, you lose all that sense of the firehouse uh -huh. and that family because nobody's really talking because no one knows what's going on. Yeah. Yeah. Nobody those, wants, those days were yeah. rough. Yeah. Those days were, were tough. Damn, dude, I didn't even know that part. It's funny that you mentioned that, that you went out with, with a rocking fire. I, the older I get, the more I realize the world kind of gives us these signs and let me know if the same happens to you. Because if you're like, as you're about to, as you're about to walk away from something, be it a job, be it a relationship, be it a place where you live, honestly, it's a change in perspective. You're, you're getting ready for that change, but you almost feel that now the world is just showing you all of the things that you are going to miss. Maybe that partner is suddenly an amazing human being. Maybe you just start catching fire duty nonstop. Maybe like your hometown that you've hated your whole life now suddenly becomes amazing. And it's easy to just be like, oh, fuck. Like, am I walking away from this? Like, am I making the right call? And 
I believe that part of the growth is understanding, hey, I get to leave on a high note. I get to leave with having these good memories, knowing where my path is going to take me, knowing that these memories and, and these learning lessons serve me well so I can go on to my next chapter, my next step. Yeah, it was, I think it was really a, a blessing that it went out like that. It was a good way to close close the book in that chapter. And the thing that was really nice was all the guys, uh, as this kind of came out that I was probably going to end up leaving, they were actually really, really supportive, which I was super nervous about, real nervous. Um, they always asked where you headed, what's the department like, how's the fire duty, what's the pay. They were interested to make sure that I was making the right decision for me and for my family. And when I expressed what the end goal was and why we wanted to go that way, every single one of them, without hesitation, oh, I get that. That makes total sense. And that made my decision a little bit easier, knowing that I had their support and their understanding that I wasn't leaving for any reason as to why the department was, the department's not a bad place. I tell everyone that they want to go there, test, absolutely. It's fantastic. But my goals and my story was just a little bit different and it led me away from there. And they, they really supported me making that move. And I think that shows an incredible level of maturity on their part and understanding the, the caliber of people that you're dealing with, knowing that, hey, our homie is going to be taken care of, might not be here, might not be with us, but he's going to be okay. He is going to be doing something that's good for him, good for his family. We've had folks leave at five years, 10 years, not make it to retirement. And the toxicity that comes out of other people's mouths just because quote unquote, they couldn't hack it or, oh, they just didn't like the job or, oh, the person was an asshole or a shitbag or a dickhead, whatever it, it might be. It's refreshing to know that the majority of the fire service is still very supportive because at the end of the day, you still, you know, shed blood together. You still went through the same trials and tribulations with your crew and they care. They care about you. They care about your family and, and they want you to do well, regardless of the departmental identity that you might have. Maybe you mm -hmm. don't, you're no longer branded with Harrisburg, but you're still Nick. You still like, you still have those, those shared, those shared hardships. Yeah, absolutely. And like that, that identity was hard to break and it took a little bit. And I don't think the fact that we were isolated the way we were helped by any stretch of the imagination. Thankfully, there were members of UD that really reached out and like, hey, we know this is going to be tough. Like we'll do whatever it takes to, to make sure you feel at home. And again, I can't thank them enough for what they did during that time because otherwise it just really would have made that transition a lot worse. And it was all things that I put in my head by my own doing. I had that identity. I'm a Harrisburg fireman. I'm Nick from Harrisburg. This is what I do. And that's what it was for a very long time. It was me going to work, coming home, watching Netflix, waiting to go back to work in four days. And after a while, I realized that's not really a healthy cycle to, to continue. So you were doing it for the right reasons, but let's talk about that criticism, did, did you catch any flack from Harrisburg folks or from UD folks when you showed up? They're like, oh, this is a fucking guy from Harrisburg. Oh, Mr. Mr. Fire Duty here. W was there any sort of backlash, any sort of criticism, any flack? Absolutely not. And like I said, they were nothing but supportive. I mean, maybe behind the scenes, but there was, I, I doubt it. I, those both sides are absolute stand-up individuals. And like I said, as soon as they understood the reason as to why I was heading out, they supported me fully. And I think it was important for anyone that makes that kind of transition to a different department to don't come in like a wrecking ball, come in silently, keep your head down, do the work. If someone asks about your experience, provide it. But I, I try my best to not use the term at my old job or in <laughs> Harrisburg, we did it this way. However, sometimes I do have to reference it that way. Right. But it's only, I try to only do that when it's, when it's asked. And, and the intention plays such a big part into it. You're not gloating. You are just factually stating what is happening. Right. Right. And, and coming in and, and putting your nose to the grindstone in and of itself is, is key for anything, for not just starting a new job. It, anything we do in the fire service, it can be solved with a shit ton of reps of hard work. Yeah. And it just putting your head down, get off your phone, especially if you're new. 
I mean, we weren't doing a lot of lot going a lot in March just because of the situation. Obviously, it was I was pacing around the firehouse so much that I, I was washing the walls. You have subway tile, and the captain goes down. He's like, "What are you doing, man?" I was like, "I, I'm washing the tiles. They're dirty." It's like, "Okay, have fun." But it showed that I was willing to do the work that was outside of what was expected. Right. And it wasn't, I wasn't asking anybody to help me. I just saw it was dirty, handle it kind of thing. I think that's really important for, for new people going in. And even for those who have been around for a while, like it's sometimes you feel that you're just not clicking. Like the, maybe the vibe is off. Maybe you're not on the same wavelength with the crew. And what's the best way to get back to it? Do some drilling, do some work, get all the equipment out, just wash it, joke, spray each other with a hose, like throw a brush at each other's head, like the, just do something productive together. Yeah, it's something, it's just something to do with working with your hands, I think really solves a lot of issues. And you don't have to strike gold every time you do it. You don't have to do every single tool in the entire rig. But how about we do one or two, take a break, go get some food, get a cup of coffee. And we'll come back later on and hit some more. We don't have to cannonball into it and rip everything off the rig. And let's, we're doing all this right now. It's like, hey, man, we got 24 hours to kill. Let's take a little bit by the time. Little Small little bites. It's okay. Right, right. How do you eat an elephant? One bite at a right. time. Working with your hands. Now, full disclosure, I met you because through my other venture, through TJ Leather, you got the workbook on how to make helmet shields. And this is going to tie in very nicely into the physical resilience, the the physical strength, the the mental, the mental side of things. Because you've said some interesting things about getting into that almost meditative Zen state when when you're working with your hands, when you're doing something with a purpose. So we've we've talked about cleaning the tools, fixing the equipment, just just working with your hands, getting you there. Let's take it off-duty what sort of stuff do you do off-duty to i don't want to say get your mind off the job but to just kind of hit those other centers of the brain and and those centers of fulfillment i mean i'm looking at you have you have guitars behind you so i assume you also make some noise with the six string and uh tell me more yeah that's absolutely just a noise maker there is no music that comes out of that thing at all i don't but know i see is. a nice leather strap bro that's like 90 hey, percent yeah. of the job <laughs> Yeah, that's true. Um, but I think it's important to have those hobbies outside of just simply firefighting. I do love the job. There's nothing I love more than than you know going to work and being able to provide a service for individuals. But once you get outside of the firehouse, I think you need to start providing a service for yourself and start learning some other skills that maybe build upon your mental resilience, whether that be learning, like I said, like you just said, playing a guitar, the leatherworking portion that I started to to dive down after the workbook and I think mental health is really starting to get on the forefront for the fire service and finding a way that you're able to kind of calm yourself down and get into a meditative state meditative state is important. I can't sit there with my legs crossed and mm, and all that good stuff the way that you would typically expect someone to to meditate, but when I start working with my hands and it's quiet in my basement, just making the cuts in the leather, stitching, I start to realize I get just in a flow state, so to speak. And it's nice to be able to shut down quite a bit of, of your brain and just focus on that single task. I don't have any music playing. I don't have my phone near me. But focusing on just one single task, I think, is, is really important. What's up, Keep the Promise community? Some of you may not know that I also have another side gig called TJ Leather, where I make rugged, handcrafted leather stuff for firefighters. Things like helmet shields, radio straps, chin straps, the whole nine yards. And I want to teach you how I make my helmet shields. I'm talking everything from the tools to the patterns to every single skill that you need to put into place to make this shield. Fun fact, it is not as crazy difficult as you may think. So head on over to HelmetShieldWorkbook.com. I'm giving away my entire framework for free. I want you to get into this hobby and enjoy it. HelmetShieldWorkbook.com. Let's get back to the episode. Especially when in the world we have digital devices all around us. Everyone's looking for the quick fix. Shutting that off and just taking a breath is, well, you know, we do you, we do you well. Yeah, it makes you a better human and a better firefighter. We've 
Yeah, no, absolutely. Because it's nonstop at, at, at the firehouse. We're always going somewhere. And, you know, sometimes calls are bad. There's different ways that people deal with it. And it's important to find that, that kind of outlet. And we also, we don't get the chance to focus. You might be on a long term incident. You might be, you know, I don't know, for, for us back in the day, it used to be like the pump offs or like the, whenever we'd flood a city, it'd be like the swift water calls. That would be just, just a long drawn out incident. But you go hard doing one thing for an hour or two, and then you go back, and then you have to pick up where you left off. Like mentally, you're just like, just bursts of things, and you're not hitting that part of the brain and the psyche where it's like, I'm sitting down from beginning to end, doing this one thing, heading in this one direction. It's, I feel it's important to have those things to just, to recenter. I mean, and now, now we're using all the, all the, um, all the, the granola yes. terms, if you will, but I think it's it's key to to talk about that. It's key to to understand that we we're being yanked in so many different directions when we're at the firehouse that we need to go back to some semblance of normalcy, of just stillness by not continuing that on our off duty days. We've had I remember there was a rookie a, a few years ago, my old station who scoffed when I was talking about going on a vacation. Like I was talking to one of the other guys and he's like, I don't want to go on a vacation. I'm going to, going to stay here and go to blazes. And we all just kind of looked at each other and five, 10 years ago, I would have said the same thing. I'm like, yeah, go on vacation. Like more, more spots for me to fill more, more opportunities for me to, to go to a fire. But I realized these days that I am so much better off at the firehouse when I've been off for a while. Like, yeah, you, you begin to appreciate the guys more and appreciate the job because you get to be away from it. You know, distance makes the heart grow fonder is something that, you know, has been said since the beginning of time and having that little bit of a break, you go, shoot, I miss the guys. I miss the pace. Let's get back. I'm motivated. I'm rested. You need to take a break at some point. There's no way that you can continue on working all the overtime, going up shifts every, you know, every two days and expect to to keep that motivation at a, at a higher higher level yeah and you can also see the ones who have been non you know instead of working at 24 48 they've been working a 48 24 for like three months at a time you're like man you are a shell of a fireman right now yeah i mean the powers that be the local government and anyone that does the negotiations really doesn't help individuals when they uh don't focus on the studies that are showing that that 24 48 is an absolute killer for for people but it all costs money it all costs money. That's what it boils down to. We're just numbers at the end of the day. Yeah. Tell me more about work-life balance. What sort of misconceptions, what sort of struggles have you dealt with? Because I feel that you're at a point now where you took that leap. You you started walking in the direction of having that, you know, keeping your tribe together, keeping your work-life balance in a in a healthy state. What sort of mistakes did you make leading up to them? Oh, absolutely prioritizing the firehouse over over the home life. Um, consistently working overtime. When we first moved to Upper Darby, we lived, we had a residency requirement, so we had to live in town. And that was going to be for five years, but they since lifted that. And that short commute home, which, you know, five minutes, mm-hmm. was horrible for me. I didn't have enough time to turn the switch off. I was always here in the rigs going everywhere. So I constantly flipped on the scanner to see what, you know, what was going on, where were they headed. And I, by about year two, when I had my daughters, when I realized that, Hey, we need to reevaluate some things here because I'm not in a good state. We need to go further away because it's important to have, I need that time, that drive time to, to turn the switch off. I no longer wear my uniform into work. I change at work. Everything stays at work. So that's just another way that I can take a switch, turn it off, say, this is no longer who I am. I'm now, I'm, I'm dad, I'm always dad, Nick, but now it's dad, Nick, when I take the uniform off and I'm heading home, it's time to get in a different mindset. Let's be playful. Let's go have a good day with the kiddo and with my wife versus leaving with my uniform on, coming home, my uniform on, changing at home in a quick succession like that. Absolutely put me in a bad state. Yeah, you say that as I'm sitting here wearing my my uniform from last night. In my defense, 
when I rolled out of bed yesterday morning on like zero sleep, I didn't even, I even forgot to like pack extra set of clothes. I'm just like, oh God, I am a catastrophe. No, I, I agree wholeheartedly. It's so important to have that physical, almost demarcation of like, hey, I walk into the firehouse. Now I am firefighter Nick. Walk out. I am walking out no longer being that person. I'm walking out into the rest of my life. It's so key to to create those routines. And that might not be something that somebody else suffers with, but I forgot who told me. I wish I could remember to cite it where I first heard that term of, you know, taking the uniform off, leaving it there and leaving it in your civilian clothes. That might not be something that someone struggles with. They might be able to come in with their uniform and go home in the uniform and not have an issue. But it was something that I could tell my personality and my anxiety level that I was at a different state when I was at home and I shouldn't shouldn't be that high, mm-hmm. you know? And when I started trying that is when I realized, okay, that's, we're, we've, we're on to something now. I feel a little bit better. And it's those little steps, those little steps that you implement to just be more human. Yeah. And it's breaking that identity too. Like, like we talked about earlier, it's, you don't always have to be, be the fireman. Not everyone has to know that you're a fireman. It's okay to, to let it stay at work for a little bit. Do you wear fire shirts off duty? Like when you go places trying to get the, the almighty discount? Absolutely not. For a, for <laughs> I will not lie. When I first started, yes, absolutely. Oh, bro, we all I, did it. Yes, but the older I get, I think the less I have. The the old what I, I think I had a minute or minute or three. I was hot yeah, shit with my minute or right three. to the belt, right oh, to the belt, dude. Like early to like like two thousand five, two thousand six. The minute or mega nerdy that I was next to my little um phone holster oh i never got the next cell but everybody else had them <laughs> we had people up at dispatch center with next cells as well and they would they would beep you when there was a box coming and they all you would see was like chairs and tables getting flipped and people screaming out into the engine bay that's a great pre-alert i was such it was good times man now nowadays it's all nowadays we have like computer scripts that are tapped into the dispatch cat and ugh, i kind of miss the old days of the next cell there was something funny about keying up and start yelling and you just heard it next to, next to somebody. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you, <laughs> that's a good joke. Cause for a while, I, I don't, I don't think there was any sort of like you, the receiver did not have to acknowledge the sender. So it could be, you'd be sitting there and the thing beeps and the most heinous vulgar language comes out and you might be sitting at dinner with your parents. You're like, so, um, what's up folks? Those are the guys yeah, I absolute, hang out with. Absolute free for all. I can't believe we had them. I wonder how many relation, how many like marriages, relationships, family like ties were strained because of the next tell. I can't imagine someone sitting in a Texas roadhouse getting ready to eat a steak dinner with their family, and some wild Bill starts screaming over somebody's <laughs> next tell. I hope I sit at that table next to him because that there's nothing funnier than that, dude. Oh god, they should bring it back. The old it was that like Tonka yellow, like construction yellow phone that was pretty much in the I think we ran over a couple of them on purpose with the fire engine to see how how well they would break and they they survived yeah they were tough man they knew what they made but oh <laughs> I don't know if they thought it through <laughs> not when it comes to like most things not when it comes to the fire service no it's funny you look at things and, and new initiatives that you're like oh god you did not think it through a uh, prime example my engine at work I don't know which Einstein decided to put a radar system in the bumper that is made for long haul truckers so that as they start drifting, as they start coming up to traffic, if they're not paying attention, it'll kill their power. It'll break. Incredible for that application. But when you're trying to maneuver through an intersection full of panicked civilian drivers, because they've never heard in so many sirens and seen so many lights, and you hear the the three beeps of death is like beep beep beep, and then suddenly you just you lose steering, you lose any sort of acceleration, and the thing slams on the brakes for you. It's um, it makes you wonder like you did not think this through for the fire service. We are we're a totally different breed, and the things that work for the normal real world do not work for us. Yep, sorry, boss. I didn't mean for you to spill your coffee all over your nice white shirt. I, I swear it was just the system. It wasn't me. It wasn't me. I would never do that. Dude, and the front is fine. And this was such a slice of humble pie that I've had to be to eat lately because we're doing driver's training with, with a couple of our folks. 
in the back, everything is amplified. And I feel so, I'm like, like I've, t- I made it a point to, you know, accelerate even more smoothly, brake even more smoothly because being in the back, I'm walking out, I'm like, Jesus Christ. I don't know if it's a driver or it's just like everything is so amplified that now I have whiplash. My neck and my back. Somebody get me a lawyer. <laughs> right. I'm I'm spilling out of the engine, holding my neck, screaming for the safety yes. officer. <laughs> How did you... So you, you went from Harrisburg. You, you went to Upper Darby. Mm-hmm. You lost a bit of that community. We, we build those those relationships with the folks that mean the world to us. I mean, it happened to me when I went from like across stations in the same battalion, just like a couple miles north. Everything was different. Tell me about that journey of of rebuilding that community, of rebuilding that that trust with with the new folks and especially going through it in the middle of the worst days of COVID. And it's like we talked about earlier, you can't expect it to happen overnight. And I was just way, I was way too anxious out the gate. I wanted to get back to that so bad and it wasn't going to happen it was going to take time it was going to take work work together and then working on myself losing or i'm sorry not losing but rather making that move i had to be in the right mental state to understand that that was something that i was going to experience and being able to connect with with the guys in ud and being open to, to building that relationship was really the first thing that allowed me to start start getting back to a sense of quote unquote normalcy. Because if I came in all closed and like you were saying before, I'm um, this Harrisburg fireman kind of thing, it would not have gone over well. Not that I I would never go into a place like that because that's not who I am. But I could certainly see how that would be a pitfall for someone going to one place to another and they continue to hold on to, to that identity without knowing that at some point it's going to fade away. It has to fade away. It has to. Otherwise, yeah, you're not going to grow. And you're not going to give the people that you're now a part of the person that they hired. And I think we... Go ahead. No, you're good. I was going to say that I feel that we are worse if we come someplace with experience. If we have done something similar in the past. I mean, I was guilty of it coming in with my volunteer time. I was hot shit. Same thing when, when I got reassigned it's so much more difficult for us to be humble and let go of that past identity of, you know, not starting every sentence with back in my old station, this is how we did things. It's, this should be that, I don't want to say that warning, but that, that call to action for those who are listening, whom you will undoubtedly go through that change at some point in your life, be it careers, be it stations, be it officers, promotion, whatever it will be acknowledge that identity, realize that it helped make you who you are, but also embrace that new change in identity. You're not changing who you are fundamentally, but you're getting to grow and holding on to it, you know, holding on to those glory. It's like the the people who still talk about their, I don't know, glory days in high school football team when they're in their 40s and 50s. You're like, bro, that's been a long time. Let it go. Do something more. Yeah. And Understanding you're just a small piece of the pie that could very easily be replaced. Obviously, everything was working perfectly fine before I went anywhere, and it's going to work perfectly fine when I'm not there anymore. It's just, do you want to be a part of this train moving forward, or do you want to sit in the back passenger seat and not do anything? Right. Right. It's And that's another thing that, that we find so hard to understand. That the piece of the puzzle for the time being... Retirement day plus one, 90% of my department is going to forget about me. My email's not going to work. I'm not going to be getting the barrage of spam that I normally do. Somebody else is going to be in my seat and the world will keep on turning. That's one thing that I feel our generation has been so much better about doing is understanding there is a life after the fact. It's not, we keep talking about identity. It should not be our whole identity. And when that day comes, when we walk away, when we're no longer wearing this navy blue and, and putting on a different set of clothes, we should be okay. We should have worked throughout our lives to build something meaningful outside of those firehouse walls because the calls will keep coming in, the firemen will keep showing up to do the work, and the world's just going to keep turning whether or not we're there. And that's one of the things I think that I 
realized that I needed to start finding other things to do was when for some reason I had that realization that at some point it's going to be over. And then what are you going to do? You need to have something else. You need to have other outlets. You need to try new things regardless if they work out or not, but at least try. Maybe that'll take you somewhere else and it'll lead you to lead you down another path that will bring you to something that you feel passionate about that you can follow along with that's outside of, of the fire department. Like I started training uh, jujitsu in 2019, 2019. Yeah. And did that for three years and up until the point where I didn't want to get hurt because I don't have short-term disability. So <laughs> it was, it was a neat path to go down for a while, but I realized that the the return maybe wasn't as high as I, as I needed it to be because, you know, I, I need to go to work. I need to make money. Right. I mean, you could always sell shields. You've been making some good ones. Yeah. 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 Let me, yeah. All three of them. All three of them. Hey man, they're good. They're, I appreciate you. Thank you. Uh, physical fitness wise. Let's talk about that more. What do you do to stay fit for the job? So I have a bunch of my own stuff at my house that I get to do. Uh, I didn't want to go to a gym to make it another process that I had to get out of my house and go to a gym. So I have everything I need here. Um, I think a barbell is still the king of all, of all exercises and be able to build strength for, for firemen. But I don't think it's always the fit for everyone. I think a lot of times people can get very far with, with just their body weight. Usually, you know, utilizing the typical push-ups, sit-ups, air squats, pull-ups. I don't necessarily think you need to go with complexity with firemen. I think you need consistency with them. I think low-hanging fruit, which I always tell people is something that I took from, uh, he's a world-renowned bodybuilder, bodybuilder Stan Efferding. He's big on uh, 10 minute walks every time after you eat, you just go for a quick 10 minute walk. It's the first thing I tell people when they come up to me like, Hey, I want to start getting physically fit. I'm like, great. After you eat, uh, go for a 10 minute walk three times a day. And they look at me and I'm like, just to start, you just, let's build consistency. Why are we, we're not going to train you six days a week. You're not at that point. You're not going to be able to recover from that. And that's something that I don't think we do enough awareness on is the stress levels that we have. I think we typically cannonball into things a bit too much and guys want to train six days a week but they don't account for the stress that they're under from home life from work from lack of sleep and that's not going to be something that you're going to be able to sustain long term if you can't recover from it there you're you're not going to make any progress i like that i started incorporating walks into just my everyday routine and it's amazing just like you said a 10 minute walk be it listening to music or a podcast or nothing, just just walking around, just enjoying, just just taking in the world. It's it's a huge change from from I feel like what we're used to, like you said, like be it a gym, be it the like having to deal with the equipment or or those routines. You just you go for a walk and you just you move, but you exist, if that makes sense. Yeah. And it's not like I'm not saying that people need to be these huge bodybuilder power lifter people. That's not what I'm looking for, for, for farm. That's not what I want for them. I just want the average of us to not be out of shape and unfit for duty. I want you to be able to have a body that once you retire, isn't broken. I want you to have enough muscle mass that if something happens to you, you recover from it quicker and you have the ability to take a shot or take a misstep because you've trained in different positions. You've stretched a little bit, gained some flexibility. It's I'm sure it's the same on your job. I have guys that have detonated shoulders, detonated knees, low backs that aren't working right. And there's nothing worse than putting 25 years into a place and you're barely walking out of here. Oh my God. It's not worth it. It's not worth it. The, the key, and I forget, I've heard it through the years, is you want to make sure you get more out of your retirement than you put in. Yeah. You do 20 years, you got to make sure you live at least an extra 21 to make it worth your while. Mm -hmm. There's no, there's no point in being that guy who retires after 20 and then drops dead at 20 plus one day. That's, that shit is heartbreaking. That sometimes that makes me just dislike the job because I'm like 20 years for what, for one yeah. day of retirement. Come on, man. And that's where I think it's important too, that guys or individuals are just following uh, the right physical fitness program. I enjoy the concept of CrossFit. I like what it did. It built a community around fitness and allowed people to come to a, a single spot and experience that workout together. I think the community aspect of that was fantastic. But going for higher rep Olympic movements with whether it be the clean or the snatch or the barbell is super technical. And 
if you're not trained at that and you go right into it thinking that that's something that you're going to do well in, I, I don't think for the long term, if you don't have that background, I, I would steer you away from that. I'd rather see you swing a kettlebell or we'll take you out front and you'll push the prowler sled. And the nice thing with that is it's low impact. It takes no skill and you can't get hurt. And you could push yourself to a point where you're going to see the Lord. If you never pushed a prowler sled before, it's something to experience because it always gets easier. The sled itself is 70 pounds. So if we load that up with four plates and you push it as far as you can, you're like, Nick, oh, I can't go any further. And we take two plates off. I'm like, you can push it further now. Uh-huh. And you keep pushing it and you pull two more plates off and you're down to just a sled. And by the time you're done, you're puking your neighbor's yard and having a good time. You're like I did it. And the neat <laughs> thing with that is you can come back the next day and do the same thing because of the nature of that movement. It's concentric only. So it's not going to make you sore for tomorrow. Whereas if you were to back squat, that eccentric, that lowering portion is going to create that delayed uh, onset muscle syndrome where it gets sore. Whereas with that sled, you're free all day, man. You'll be good tomorrow. Yeah. So finding those exercises, those low-hanging fruits, they're not flashy. They're not something that is going to get you IG famous, but it's going to execute on building a better resilient fireman, in my opinion. No, I agree wholeheartedly. I I did my time at CrossFit and I would always, I skip any time that the workout included a snatch because A, I would always injure myself doing them. I don't like do something to my, to my shoulder. And B, my question was always, when am I going to snatch somebody in the fire ground? Bingo. Like the day that I have to take a person, an item, something from the ground to an overhead and one fell swoop while wearing full gear. I'm going to figure out something else or I'm just going to quit. I'm just going to be like, I'm out. Like you, you got me. I'm done. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think when you're looking at a physical fitness regimen that you need to definitely utilize something that builds on your weak points is relevant to the job in some sense that not the, in the sense that you're wearing gear and, and doing all that. Cause we can go down that rabbit hole, but um, something that you're going to do utilizing your legs, utilize something that builds a low back, build your, uh, Rear upper back delts, the, the weak points where firemen always get hurt and, you know, do it in a smart way. And I think you'll have, uh, I think you'll have good success. Yeah. And it's simple. What about the recovery? You're a big yoga fan. I mean, you gotta be, you did murder yoga with jujitsu. Yeah. Uh, I am, I should be better at it and do it more often, but yeah, murder yoga absolutely helped in, you know, stretching me out quite a bit. Um, but I think that's also something like, Patty Brown did that stuff. Like in Patty Brown, you know, that was yeah. a cool documentary if you've never seen that one before. And it's something to, to take a to take back on. And if if that man did it, hey, there's something to it. Right, right. <laughs> An absolute legend. Uh, that's that's a man. Right. You know? That is that's, God, if we could be a quarter of the man he was. Um I forgot what I was oh, I was gonna say something else. Oh, we're gonna yeah, we'll talk about like the 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 mental benefits of yoga as well, because it forces you to be in your headspace in focusing on that breathing and we need that to come off that that fight or flight um firehouse mindset yeah and that's another aspect too when people want to push in a workout but maybe it's not the right day to you know we came off this morning you know we ran until about midnight last night i, I got a decent i got five six hours which is i think is half decent but if we're running you know five after midnight Maybe that day is not the day to go for a max effort back squat. Maybe that's a day that we tone it down and we push the recovery aspect a little bit more. We take a nap, we eat some good food, we stretch out the following day. Okay, and now let's get after it. Now let's push ourselves a little bit. Dude, I came into this conversation hoping to talk about the identity that we give ourselves in the fire department and what people quote call a quote-unquote downgrade going from a big department to a smaller department and you've hit me with nuggets ranging everything from yoga and fitness to mindfulness to the healthy eating like you've you you left me you left me pretty well pretty well speeches i did not expect all this i appreciate the time two things one we have to do this again because now i want to cover more of that mindset for the physical training. So I'm definitely going to have you have you back on again. The last question, and I'm kind of ambushing you because I didn't send you this this one in the list. 
what's the one failure that you cherish the most? Hmm. Unfortunately, there was like a recent one that I can't not keep thinking of. I mean, it's goofy. It really is goofy because it just happened the other day. But it was a slice of humble pie. So <laughs> uh, we have a, a backup policy at work and somebody that you might be talking to right now necessarily didn't follow that backup policy and may or may not allegedly, maybe, uh, back the ladder truck into a fire hydrant. Talk about that irony. So you want to talk about something that could have been a lot worse. God forbid that was a kid. Like, could you imagine? Thankfully, it was an inanimate object. It was just a, a, a hydrant. So something so small like that, but it left such a big imprint on my mind because that was the first time in a very long time. I don't remember the last time that I tagged something like that um, to really make sure that I'm dotting my T's. I'm sorry. I'm dotting my I's and crossing my T's. Truck guy, you're not used to spelling. Now, even the smallest, you know, things that you don't think are are significant and taking the time and, you know, watching my mirrors and making sure I have somebody behind me. Because from now on, that's, whew, that's, that left a mark, both on the truck and, and me, <laughs> you know? Thankfully, it wasn't worse. Thankfully, yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. And those are, I think those are some of the the best lessons that we learn. The, the small things, but in our minds, when we extrapolate the what if, I think that smacks us harder than any sort of discipline, any sort of physical damage. And like when you sit there and you say, what if it was a kid? Yeah. And it's, you just have to slow down. Just take a second. And that's all I had to do. Just give it a second. It's fine. There's no, there was no rush. There's no rush, but for some reason, it was complacency because we were outside of the firehouse. I've backed up that place hundreds of times. Not a big deal. There's nothing better than going, one of the guys going, yeah, you hit that. Like, what? Hit what? Yeah. Oh, God. My heart sinks just thinking about that. We've all been there. Ah, I was sick to my stomach for days. And I think that speaks as to the caliber of a person. If do you shrug it off and say, oh, well, or do you sit Oof. there and you go, oh, God, what have I done? No, you you got to learn from that. That's to. that's the universe giving you, you know, a little nugget saying, right. hey, make sure, you know, don't move too quick. Give yourself a second. What's up, everybody? TJ here. I hope you enjoyed and you got a ton of value from Nick's episode. We always place such a huge emphasis on the next greatest thing, going to the better firehouse and moving up in the ranks and going to a bigger and better fire department. Sometimes we miss what's going on around us. And sometimes we miss those things that maybe are better for us than climbing the ladder or moving on to bigger and better. So it was very refreshing to hear Nick's story about saying like, hold up, we're pumping the brakes, I'm doing this for my family, and how now he is thriving in his new department, even though it's smaller than the one where he came from. Also, shout out to the dudes at, and gals at Harrisburg and Upper Darby for being so understanding. You would expect some sort of flack and some sort of BS from both sides and the way he made it sound both have been nothing but amazing human beings and that's the way it should be because it is a brotherhood we are all firefighters and a story as always here's a shout out to those new patrons who just joined the community and are getting a ton of value from our workouts our mantras the trainings all the awesome stuff that we're doing drum roll please shout out goes out to robert from manahawkin new jersey Randy from Tucson, Arizona. Dylan huh, from Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. Hannah from Goose Creek, South Carolina. And last but certainly not least, David from Ringgold, Georgia. Guys and gals, thank you so much for believing and keep the promise, for supporting the community, for listening to this podcast. There's going to be a ton more awesome value coming your way. We have some great guests lined up. 
Be good, be safe. Catch you next time. Hey everyone, it's TJ here from Keep the Promise. As you know, this podcast is all about helping firefighters become more resilient and well-rounded so that they can be a force for good within their fire department and their community. But today I want to talk to you about something that's just as important, and that is supporting firefighters who are going through tough times. When one of our fellow firefighters is off work because they have to go to the Center for Excellence, they have to go to rehab, they have mental health issues, or they have other health issues, it really takes away their support system and it wreaks havoc on their finances and their family's finances. And many times these brothers and sisters are left to struggle alone away from their support system and the people who love them without the resources they need to recover. That's why I'm setting a bold new goal. And that is to reach 150 total patrons on Patreon so that we can start a fund to help firefighters and their families during these challenging times. And I need your help to make it happen. With your support on Patreon, we'll be able to provide financial assistance to firefighter families who are battling things like addiction, depression, and cancer. We're going to help alleviate the financial strain that can come with being away from the fire department so that our brothers and sisters can focus on healing and recovering. Now, reaching 150 total patrons is a big goal, but I believe that we can do it together. And when we do, we'll be able to make a real difference in the lives of those who serve and protect alongside us. So, if you're not already a patron, I invite you to join us today. Head over to joinkeepthepromise.com and sign up today. Again, that is joinkeepthepromise.com. And if you already are a patron... Thank you so much for your support. You'll be receiving some exclusive rewards and perks as a way of saying thanks. Together, let's show our fellow firefighters that we've got their back just like they always have ours. Thank you for listening. Let's get started with the episode.